Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Krista, Sally Thompson, Michael Shields, Jen Houghton, Chili Billy Clem, Megan Fitzgerald McGowan, Rick Albanese, and all of our Patreon supporters and listeners. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. What happens when a CrossFitter falls in love with an ultra runner? Who's quirky annoying sport will win out or will love win out that's the question we're going to answer on this episode of the adventure jogger a northeast ohio power couple rachel daw and brian pappy are on the adventure jogger welcome to the 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 newly engaged couple yeah well in january but it's been a fast few months so it must feel it feels like it just blew up january was eight months ago when we're at the time recording this but when you're in love it just it just flies right by um as i said in the intro to the to the interview one of you was a crossfitter the other one was an ultra runner and and somehow love worked its way in rachel spoiler alert you were the ultra runner yeah. <laughs> Give us kind of your story before we get into Brian's sweet moves after his workout of the day. Well, let's kind of let's let's start Rachel with your running journey. How did you get to be an ultra runner? Okay, sure. I already like where this is uh starting. Um so I actually really got into running when I was a freshman in college which was uh, in 2000. And that fall, I got to school. And after being very active in sports and that all through you know, high school, I was kind of like, oh, shoot, what do I do with myself now? Because I wasn't at school playing any sports. And um, it's like, well, I guess I could go for a run. And it just started running like two weeks into undergrad and just kind of spiraled from there for you know all through college and then a few years after it was you know daily runs but you know 5k 10k races and um then you know it just grows from there and tried the half marathons and those for a while and somewhere around like 2010 did a few marathons and it was just all roads Mm -hmm. and um 
I had a few friends that were ultra runners, paced them at some races, uh, did like one trail marathon a year that really was just to pace somebody for like the back half of their double marathon. And, um, you know, just was like happy doing my road marathons. And um, actually in 2016, life kind of took a big turn. Um, I kind of had one of those very life-changing moments because um, I had a health issue and I found out I had a massive blood clot in my arm. I had ran the Cleveland Marathon that May. I was running the Akron Marathon in September. I found this out like three weeks before the Akron Marathon and um, it was a completely structural problem. But my collarbone and first rib were too close together. Um, it was called thoracic outlet syndrome and so all of my blood flow was getting cut off to the arm and um the doctors basically told me it was a miracle that i was still alive and that a blood clot this large didn't grow to my lung or to my brain and um so the only course of action to take was to remove my first rib so <laughs> crazy right um so i was scheduled for surgery like two weeks later and um the Akron Marathon was actually like just a couple of days before the surgery. And so, you know, they put me on blood thinners and that, that they had to pre-surgery. And of course I asked the surgeon, okay, so I don't have surgery until Tuesday, the marathon Saturday, like I can still run it. Right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> thank gosh she was a runner as well, because I think otherwise she would have thought I was completely nuts and, you know, told me that I was crazy, but she, you know, as long as I'm very careful and go slow and, you know, take breaks and stuff, I could. Um, so I did. And then I had the surgery. And then that yearly trail marathon, the run with scissors, was exactly a month post-surgery. And uh, so I bounced back and was able to run that as well. And it was right about then that something just kind of clicked and switched. It was that very near-death experience of um you know and then going through the surgery and everything and kind of really made for a transition to boy you better do stuff now because i was only 36 years old at the time mm -hmm. and you know it's that whole you never know what day or what race is going to be your last so um took a few years from there for me to get into the ultras i kind of i was selling one house and starting a business and, you know, life took over. And, um, so I think it was 2019. I started doing the ultras, a couple 50 Ks, then I got into 50 milers and, you know, it just kind of grew from there. And here we are today. <laughs> Let's go back a minute. Brian, you can, you can go get a drink if you want to, or if you have to use the bathroom, because this may take a minute before we get to you, Brian. But, no, no but she can talk all day. <laughs> I am, yeah, and the talker group. I should sit on my hands. And then, yeah. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> I, I want to go back to you, you run through college, and then you get news that is devastating. I mean, it's really devastating when you're when you're in. Take us back to that moment. You're in the doctor's office. I mean, there's obviously something going on with your arm where you're like, okay, something's not working right here. I've got to go to the doctor and check this out. And to be told that you were lucky to be alive. How do you process news like that? Uh, hey, you know, it's one of those things. I still don't know if I've completely processed it. Mm. 
you know, just having gone through such um, such a shock and such an extreme situation. Here I was, you know, I had ran multiple marathons already that year and had done all these training runs and I had redness and swelling in the arm that would come and go. That's what led me to the doctor and multiple ultrasounds. Um, and then they told me, you have to go home and you need to sit on your butt for the next two weeks until the surgery and you're not allowed to do anything. I wasn't even allowed to walk my dogs. And so I literally had to sit there on blood thinners and hope that the clot would break down enough that they could then go in and do surgery. Um, so, I mean, that in my, you know, last 22 years was the longest hiatus I've ever had from running was those few weeks. And, um, you know, I mean, talk about taking the time to process and, you know, just be thankful. And I, I credit that whole experience to being a huge reason why I just kept pushing on from there and wanting to do more and more because, yeah, it was just a big, big, big shock and big realization that like, wow, that last marathon could have been my last. That is just incredible for so many of us. Running is our outlet. It's our. It's what keeps us sane. What keeps us happy. We use those runs in the morning or in the afternoon to process our day. We can use it to brainstorm. We can use it to just think about the day ahead or to process what we're going through. And to have that taken away from you so close to a marathon. I mean, you guess. I, I guess you could just say you were tapering. You're getting a really good tapering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very good tapering. <laughs> hey, I did. I felt pretty fresh that day. <laughs> Absolutely, because you've been on blood thinners, you've been sitting around doing, you know, not not doing anything. But it's it's so crazy to think about that, and just you're right. It's it's a reminder of you are guaranteed nothing. We all think like ah, I, I'm guaranteed like what 70, 80, 90 years, and you realize that you ain't guaranteed shit when it yeah. when it comes to your own mortality. Um, Maybe, and I don't know if, if science wants to look into this, blood clot in your shoulder, you're interested only in road running. They remove the blood clot, all of a sudden you're an ultra runner. Is there some sort of connection between the two? I, I think it was much more my mindset than anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so that was my journey. So it's- All right, Brian, you're back. You've had a beer. You use the bathroom. Um, I've never, I've never asked this question before of anybody. But why in the hell did you decide to be a CrossFitter? Give us, give us your journey from normal human being to slightly less normal and and, and more annoying human being. I'm, I'm just kidding, by the way. Give us your kind of journey of of how you discovered that. Um, it was in 2017 in July. I think I weighed probably about 230 pounds. I found CrossFit. Um, I still remember the first workout. It's kind of like ultra running. Yeah. I mean, the first workout was so horrible <laughs> that you had to go back for more. So I made my way down from like 230 pounds to like 175 ish. And then uh, 2020 hit. And of course, the COVID, the gyms shut, that kind of thing. So they started programming like home workouts. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people don't have all that equipment at home. Right. So there would be running workouts. And I remember running like a mile and I'm like, oh, fuck, I hate this. This is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Who would do this for fun? Like, why would you want to do this? And so I, kept, I got a little bit better at it. But then um, I 
met her in August of 2020. And like the first thing, one of the first things she told me is she's like, I'm training for a 50 miler. I ran 70 miles, that kind of thing. And I was just like shocked that people actually run 70 miles in a week. So I started running more. My buddy took me on the Buckeye Trail in Ohio, Mm -hmm. probably early September 2020 or late August 2020. Ran my first trail, probably made it about a quarter of a mile and then tripped and kind of fell in love with running ever since, like especially trail running. And uh, she kind of showed me the ropes. Like I was a dumb crossfitter, so I'd run like 15 miles. I'd get back to the car. I'd chug like two fit aids. I'd eat food. I'd be like completely wiped out. Like I had no idea that you're supposed to like eat and drink during the run. Like in CrossFit, you don't stop until you're done. Like you usually <laughs> run four, completely wiped out, like sweating, exhausted. But I had no clue that you actually like paste and drank and ate and that kind of thing. You learned the lesson the hard way. You were like, eh, yeah, I could go ahead and run this the whole darn time. I don't know. What's this water stops nonsense? And then you learned there's water yeah, stops for well, a reason. I kind of learned. I'm still known. Like, I'll run a hundred miler and I'm still like one of the first people out front. Like, I go out way too fast. So, <laughs> that's that like, CrossFit India. Uh, yes, sir. I wouldn't worry, Brian, about the, the, the going out too fast and the not eating. I don't think that's a that's a crossfitter mistake. I think that's a lot of people's mistake. I've seen people go out so fast, people that usually run like a like a 29, 28 hour 100 miler start out at like a 15 hour pace. So yeah, I think it just means you're part of us. I think that's what it is, Brian. No, I'm getting pretty good at getting punched in the face and recovering and keep moving. I think it's part of the race. But Brian, something you said earlier I want to go back to, finding CrossFit, because I I think you found CrossFit a lot of the very similar way to a lot of people and how they found ultra running. You were probably, it sounds like you were in a situation where you weren't very happy with with where you were at body-wise. Correct. I worked all the time. I traveled out of state all the time. So I just ate crap, like ate shit, fast food, stuff like that. And now, I mean, Rachel's vegan, so 90-something percent of my meals are vegan. Um, CrossFit got me down to probably about 175 pounds. Running has me down to probably about 160 pounds right now. Uh, We just got done with Burning River last weekend, so um, I was in the 150s. I'm back up to 161 right now. So I would say that... You, you know, just that change of lifestyle, you know, like, because you can get, and, and we're, we're men, right? So we get this idea in our head that when we're in high school and we can eat whatever we want, we can put away mountains of food and not gain an ounce. And all of a sudden we kind of eat that way through our 20s. In our 30s or 40s, we end up like, oh my God, I'm fat. When did this happen? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. I mean, I still eat a lot. It's just better food. Um, if I cheat, it's kind of more towards like desserts a couple times a week. But most of my meals are clean. Now, but I still eat a ton. Mm-hmm. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, being that Rachel is a vegan, um, and you're not, you said 99% of your eating is is vegan, then there's that 1% that's not. When you steal a, a, a thing of bacon, when you go out for a hamburger, do you brush your teeth before you, you get home so Rachel doesn't know what you've been doing? Uh, no, I don't think she does that. Well, I'm not that extreme. <laughs> <laughs> You never know. It's like, wait a minute. Is that, do I, do I smell burger? Is that five guys? Is that a five guys on your breath right now? I don't mind it. And I don't even mind it being in the house as long as I don't have to touch it. Okay. That makes sense. That's reasonable. That's yeah, absolutely no reasonable. Or no, no, no cooking of it. I mean, but you know, if it makes its way in the house, it does. How long, have you, been, how long have you been a vegan for Rachel? Um, oh gosh. Not not much uh, shorter time period than I've been a runner. Um, I really kind of became vegetarian in college, like about when I started running. And um, yeah, probably a few years after that, became a vegan. So probably uh, prior to 2010, maybe 2007, 8, somewhere in there. So quite some time. What do you miss the most about Meatland? You know, honestly, none of it. I and then people ask that, and I know a lot of times, like people say, like, oh, cheese or you know, pizza with whatever, you know. Um, I was never a big meat eater, anyways. I mean, even as like, like the, the small child, I remember my mom like pulling her hair out trying to get me to eat, and um, so you know, I don't know, I, I feel like I can cook so many different, really delicious meals for us and I, I don't know I would hope Brian would agree you know I think I, I get a lot of that especially as a runner like oh where are you getting your protein and where are you getting you know enough calories and um, I mean I eat an exorbitant amount of food as well I think I probably shocked Brian a little bit when we first worked together because there was no hiding the amount of food that I can do in a day um but yeah, I really don't. And I feel so much better. And as an athlete noticed, you know, my, at least for me, my recovery, just being so much, you know, faster and more efficient. I honestly, like I have no cravings or anything like that to go back to, you know, meat or cheese or. I think the biggest problem that we have and I'm back going back there for whatever reason. I'm, my, my loud voice is all over your house right now. Um, but I think the biggest problem we have when it comes to, to eating better is outside of big cities, there are not a whole lot of options for the ingredients necessary for really fantastic, compelling vegan type of meals. Like if you get Rich Roll's book about you know the plant-powered way, you look through that ingredients list as someone who lives in the south or the Midwest in a small to mid mid-type, mid-sized city, and you go, 
the, I can't find any of these things. These ingredients do not exist in my land. And so we're often presented vegetables in a way where it's very bland or salads are, are just covered in this dressing that's not very healthy. And it's almost like they haven't been presented to us in a way that is a compelling, easy, like this is not as hard as it needs to be type of way when it comes to vegetables. Is, is that, did you find that as a kind of a breakthrough of, oh, wait a minute, I can eat this and it, this tastes actually decent? Yes, absolutely. And I, you know, I have to say, I've definitely learned from those that have come before me. I'm mm-hmm. a big Scott Jurek fan yeah. and, uh, you know, in his books and, and everything. And, um, it is, it's amazed me though, how much easier it becomes. And, you know, I've often been asked advice from folks about, you know, meal ideas and things like that. And once you kind of start creating your own and not necessarily always trying to follow a recipe book that has those ingredients that you might not have in the house or be able to find. Uh, it definitely gets a lot easier. And I do a lot of creating of like, okay, this is what we have in the refrigerator today. So here's what we're having tonight <laughs> and to mix it all up and make it work. And, um, you know, it takes a little bit of creativity, but it works out. No, because I've heard a lot of people that have done that, that have made that that shift, that transition, and how recovery is so much easier. I mean, Harvey Lewis talked about how recovery yeah. is so much easier, how maintaining weight is so much easier, how it just the body seems to respond to it better. But it's just one of those things where, oh, man, I really love a hamburger. I, I don't know what I don't know if I could I don't know if I could live without a hamburger every once in a while. You know what's funny? Probably the time that I would say I honestly have a hard time with eating vegan is often at aid stations really? because there's not always a ton of options. Um, you know, thankfully, like Brian said, we both just, um, did burning river yeah, last yeah. weekend and, um, you know, like they had the vegan ramen and vegetable broth, which is one of my go-tos. Um, but there's definitely been a lot of races I've been to where it's like, you know, if you're done with like the chips and pretzels phase of your run and you need like the real food right. and you're looking at grilled cheese or, you know, pizza or quesadillas and you're like, oh shit, I can't eat any of that. That is, you know, it's, it's definitely helpful to have crew when you're a vegan ultra marathon runner. Oh, I can, I can absolutely imagine. Have you been tempted? Has it been late in a race? You know, you're 85, 90 miles in. Brian's like, I'm going to have a quesadilla. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm 99% with you. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rock that quesadilla. It's delicious. Have you, though, Rachel, have you been tempted 85, 90 miles into a race? You got an aid station. You're dying. And that the smell, the beautiful smell of that quesadilla just wafts on down the trail at you. You know, I haven't. But um, and the funny thing is. Brian's like the best. He can double fist like a hot dog in one hand and a piece of pizza in the other at mile 80 and like take off. Um, me, not so much. But uh, the funny thing was that Burning River last year, which was my first 100, and I got sicker than a dog, like about mile 72. And um, a friend of mine was working the aid station there and he's a very experienced altar runner. He had just uh, won his age group at Western States last year, you know, a few weeks before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he coached me through and, you know, the ice chips. And then he wanted me to try the ramen broth. And I said to him, I'm like, 
that's beef broth. I said, even if I wanted to eat it, I, it's been so long since I've had any meat in my body. Even if I wasn't sick right now because I'm at mile 72 and nauseous, it'd probably get me sick anyways. Um, and that's when he assured me that they had vegan broth as well. And to this day, I'm not sure if he was just saying that because he knew I needed to get the salty broth in me <laughs> or if it really was vegan broth. I think it was vegan broth, but, um, you know, and, and it tasted good to me. But even in that mindset, when I was, you know, so sick and I knew I needed something in me, I still was like, eh, can we make sure it doesn't have any meat in it? You know, right before you got there, he was saying to the aid station workers, don't tell her it's vegan. Just write <laughs> vegan on there with a Sharpie. And this, so she has no idea what's actually in this thing. Yeah, exactly. But then they had it again this year. So I think it was. But that was a roundabout way of answering your question. No, I really still haven't ever craved it. So Interesting. So do you guys do races together? Uh, we have. I mean, we did a Grand Circle Trail Fest last year together those three races um we've done 50ks together yeah i don't think we've gone past the 50k mark together we've you know we've done a handful of those where we've actually ran together um but i don't know the last it's been kind of nice because really like now the last year or so we've gotten to, into this routine of crewing and pacing for each other um you know it's so a couple like tune up training races together and then doing our own thing, which, um, you know, both have their, their good things about it. So when you say running together, do you mean that you guys will run every step together or you go to the start line together and I'll see you at the end? A little bit of both. Um, but the 50 Ks we've done together, most of them we've actually ran like, you know, every step together, which means Brian's running my pace. Let's be for real on that right now. <laughs> um, so he's courteous and, you know, just so we can spend the time together and get the training run. Um, but there's been a handful that we've been racing at the same time that, you know, let's see at the finish line. Here's a question, Brian. <laughs> when you do a race with Rachel and you have to slow down, when it uploads on Strava, do you make a note of that? Like ran with fiance, and <laughs> just so. <laughs> no, I mean, I, we've. I personally never really got into Strava. I always use Garmin, like my stay normal away. Garmin for my stay staff. away from Strava. There's no reason to be in Strava. But, uh, stay away. Neither of us do actually. Good, neither good. Stay Strava. away. I mean, it affects your ultra sign up score, but that's about it. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> It affects your ultra sign-up score. That's the most ultra-runner thing you've ever said, Brian. You can't go back to CrossFit now because you've just said the most ultra-runner thing everywhere. Any, anyone's ever said, it'll affect my ultra sign-up score. Like, do you remind her, like, listen, honey, I love you. This is really going to affect my ultra sign-up score. I just want you to know that the sacrifice I'm making running with you. No, I think, I think she knows, but, I mean, it's fun. Like, I... A lot of our races are local races, so mm. if I'm running with her, I'm enjoying it, and it's a pace where I'm not, like, killing myself out there, so you can high-five people and bullshit on the trails <laughs> and just dick off, kind of enjoy the run. All that good like, stuff. All yeah, that instead of, like, actually going after it and killing yourself out there and sometimes not enjoying it as much <laughs> as you would, you pace it a little better. <laughs> All right. I need to know. We'll start with you. Uh, Rachel, how is it crewing Brian? Is he, how is he get, you know, when he's running a, a, something and he needs a crew, 
How is it cool yeah. in your fiance? So it's funny because we talked about this a little bit tonight when we were eating dinner mm-hmm. and I've gotten very different Brian's at the different races I've paced him at. Um, last year, um, one of the best experiences I think we've ever had together running was, um, when he had won the Tuscazor 100 and, um, I had before he was even signed up for the 100, I had signed up for the 25. I'd done it a couple of years. And so, um, in a row, as I was already signed up to do that in the morning, then he ended up signing up for the 100. So I was like, well, I'll come back and I'll pace you. It's a four loop course of, you know, 25 miles each. So I went out, ran my race in the morning. It was gorgeous, beautiful weather, the whole nine yards, came back to pace him at night. And I'm guessing we probably started the last loop around 11 o'clock at night or so. And it's pouring and it's cold and it's wet and it's miserable. And he had ran a hell of a first 75 miles. So, um, you know, I, I give him all the credit because he had put in a, a, a tough first three quarters of the race. Um, but there was definitely some dark moments in that <laughs> race. I just, the last uh, five or six miles is very hilly. Um, there were definitely some uh, four letter words that came out every time we started a new hill. And, um, but you know, he, he pushed through and, you know, did fantastic. Um, and you know, ended up winning the first place overall, which was really, really cool to experience with him. Um, I also paced him at the end of a 48 hour race. That one had a whole different, you know, feel to it. I had to tell him, no, that's not like a unicorn on the, <laughs> um you know i would that was there was like a holding his plate of pancakes and you know some some, uh lots of lots of walking and lots of thank you so much for being here and so that was a little bit emotional in the opposite direction um you know and then the this past june i went and paced him down at mohican um, 100 and wasn't supposed to be able to make it down there at all because of work responsibilities and ended up pulling some strings, got down there. Um, a friend like met me at the parking lot. We like probably, uh, drove way too fast over so I can meet him at, it was around like mile 85 and he's coming up to the aid station. I pop out of the woods. I'm like, Hey, you want some company? And, um, that was a, a totally different Brian on the opposite end because he <laughs> we start off and you know Mohican's a very technical mm-hmm. trail and we're like buzzing along and it's you know again 10 11 o'clock at night and I look down we're running like an 8 15 and he's at mile 85 and I'm going oh shit I don't know if I can keep this up <laughs> 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 but um you know, after like about two miles of that, he, he could kind of settle down. I think got a little energy burst at first, but that race, I mean, he was like on top of the world, you know, just chit chatting the whole time. We pretty much ran the last 15 miles in. So, you know, a little bit of everything, which is, you know, cool. You know what I love about that is there was never a moment of, oh, God, and then I had to do, like, you seem to to enjoy Brian in all of his states of he's having a great race, 
He's having a horrible race. He's having a race so bad that he doesn't know what's going on. And I have to feed him pancakes and, and tell him that there's no unicorn there. I mean, you really, you seem to enjoy all aspects of Brian and misery. Yeah, actually, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's really, I think your marriage has got a good shot. Just based on how you describe dealing with Brian's shit, I think you've got a really good uh, good chance for, for a happy marriage. But before I make that call and con- and you know going to commit to a statement like that, Brian, Uh-oh. how is it to crew Rachel? Pressure's on, man. She was pretty nice to you. Uh, yeah, I mean, she does well. I mean, I, I don't, <laughs> there's definitely no like complaints. I mean, um, I pace her more than I crew her. Mm-hmm. Um, she has Canal Corridor coming up. And I think my main job there will probably be uh crooner for the 100. But um, I mean, I've definitely been there and I've definitely helped her and gave her food and stuff. But I mean, if you see Rachel on the course, she's always smiling. Like I'll have a finish line photo where like I'm fucking horribly miserable. <laughs> I look like death. <laughs> like you can just smell me through the picture and you see her picture and it's just like smiles galore. Like everyone always says it every time they see her. Like everyone else like finishes and they're like tired and she's like all smiling. So she's definitely like, um, I don't know. It's, she's always upbeat and like happy and smiley. And so it's definitely easy to prove for her. Basic. You've got to make way easier than she has it. That's the God honest truth. Yeah, is. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have it made. She's smiley all the time and you're what? Where, is that not a unicorn? What, what are you talking about? And it is funny because I know there's couples that can't crew each other, can't pace each other just because the one person goes into a kind of a doting all over the person mode when they're suffering. They don't want that. So it's kind of cool. I don't know how if you guys realize how, how blessed you are to have that situation where you can. You have, the, you have that relationship where and, and I'm not saying people that can't pace and crew each other have a horrible relationship. Some people just can't handle being around that person in certain moments. But it's it's, it's got to be really nice to be able to have the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with out there in your highest moments and in your your garbage moments. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And actually, um, so we both run with the trail enthusiasts for Burning River, which mm-hmm. is the local trail running group up here in Northeast Ohio. And um, a friend of ours, Tim, before any of the big races around here, Mohican and, um, you know, Burning River, and there's a there's a local one in Richfield here called the Hylia 24-Hour. And uh, he'll do, like, these race predictions. And it's, it's just a lot of fun. He'll come up with these picture collages to put on the Facebook page and these write-ups. And, you know, I mean, it's cool because he makes everybody sound like, you know, the biggest superhero. But um, I had done a 24-hour race in May and Tim had put in there, you know, so the question will be, when and will she utilize her MOAP, M-O-A-P? And I'm reading this and I show it to Brian and then I text a couple of my other friends that are in this group. I'm like, what the hell is a mope? <laughs> like we couldn't figure it out. And I'm Google searching and my two girlfriends, like they're like doing a search engine too. None of us can figure out what that is. <laughs> so I finally asked him and it was 
mother of all pacers. <laughs> so that was like, so then he's used that a couple of times um, to describe us, you know, back and forth when we've been able to pace each other for, um, you know, for races. So, you know, it definitely is unique because, yeah, especially when you're in the those depths, <laughs> there's not everybody can you be around at that moment. So, so how do you, how, how do you, handle Brian when he's because we we already know I don't have to ask you ask this question to you Brian because you know Rachel's all smiles from from the from the gun to the to the finish line she's not going down but how do you how do you handle Brian when he's when he's in his in his craps well you know when he's in even like been in that state it hasn't been ever like you know, an angry or a, like, I want to give up. He is unbelievably driven in, in his races. And when he's on the trails, like just unbelievable drive, it's more so he's ran so, so hard, mm-hmm. you know, he's like just to the point of, you know, just pure exhaustion. I mean, if there's ever a person I've met that just puts 110% in to a race, it's him. I'm not going to lie. I go into these things and Trust me, I'm trying my best and you have a goal time in mind. But I also like to talk to people along the way. <laughs> and, you know, having friends at aid stations is always a big plus because you get to catch up for a second. And, you know, we're we're a little bit different as far as that goes. So honestly, more than anything, I think when he is in that state where it's like that final push, it's kind of just keeping him going, keeping him distracted, mm-hmm. talking. You know, when uh, we ran, when uh, Brian ran the Vernal Equinox 48 hour that he got 190 miles at. Wow. Yeah, it was awesome. I was with him for, it was the last 30 miles. And so I was like, all right, we're going to play a game. Let's play, tell each other something that we don't know each about each other yet. Mm-hmm. And I did. That lasted for a little while. So, you know, stuff like that. Just try to keep them distracted and keep going and have a good time smile what advice would you give to somebody who's getting ready to pace their significant other or crew their significant other for the first time what would what would you give them advice wise i don't know i'd just say be encouraging and uh i don't know agree with them because they're probably right (laughs) (laughs) agree with them that kind of thing i don't know make sure they eat that kind of thing i agree yeah yeah i mean i think I think I would say is to remember that, and this isn't even to say that Brian's ever said anything that would have been offensive because he has, and he's always been unbelievably grateful, you know, when I've been there and been crewing, but um, not to take anything personal. Mm. <laughs> because, you know, it's the, the things that we, that can sometimes come out at, you know, when you're in the depths of despair, you know, it's, it's just in the moment. It doesn't mean anything. I think it's very true. I think that's one of the things that should be, you know, told to all pacers is do not take anything your runner says personally after mile, we'll just say 50. We'll just say after mile 50, nothing said can be taken personally. Uh, Brian, having you on and having you, you know, having experienced and kind of getting your fitness journey started in crossfit and again it's it's controversial and i don't want to get into i'm not picking sides i i think something that helps someone better themselves you know definitely the qualities of that would be better than the, the negatives but what are some of the exercises and what are some of the the 
the disciplines of CrossFit that you think ultra runners could incorporate into their training? See, that's honestly a tough question for me. Um, I mean, I believe in this. I believe in doing strength training, and uh, especially right now in the, like the winter, like uh, front squats, back squats, lunges, that kind of thing. Like real, like hardcore strength training. But when you're trying to grind out, I don't know, 70 to 100 miles a week and then still trying to do front squats, like it, it's just not going to work or it might work, but you're going to, you're going to feel it. So, um, like last winter, I really, really worked on strength, like all winter. And I tried to hold on as long as possible for CrossFit. I think I made it to usually make it to about March and I start cutting back a little bit and then I don't know. I think like the last race or whatever, it's probably been non-existent as much as I would like, but, um, definitely something I picked back up in the winter. Um, it's kind of, I went from like a crossfitter who ran to probably now a runner that does crossfit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just depends what you're trying to get out of it. I mean, if you're in the crossfit, you're going five, six, seven times a week. Like if you're hardcore and, uh, really getting after it. Um, I got to the point where like I was doing CrossFit, but I didn't want to get hurt anymore. Like I, I was like, so I picked the workouts and choose the one I went to, or I'd just go to like open gym and start doing like, uh, my front squats, my power, like that. Kind of stuff. It sounds like, you know, and I, I don't, maybe this is intentional, but it seems like having those, those seasons of your year of training and knowing that, winter is your time for for strength building for doing those those crossfit style workouts where you're doing those squats and building that foundation of strength i bet you and again we're none of us on this podcast are experts in fitness but i would think that gives you a strong base of strength that you can almost ride out the rest of the year um yeah i definitely think the foundation and um i mean this is year two for me mm-hmm. of running like trail running um, so last year I felt like it was more of like, uh, just, uh, time on feet, like building the foundation this year. I feel like there's a lot more quality runs, just stuff like that. So yeah, I definitely think you have to build the foundation, but I, I think there's probably better people out there about doing more strength during the running season. I just think at some point it gets kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. As you, right, as you get those big miles in, as you're doing those those seventy mile weeks, don't yeah. Any of the answers? Everybody always asks me, and I'm like, dude, I don't do shit. Like, I'm brand new. <laughs> like, I triple knot my shoes and I go at it like as hard as I can, run as long as I can, that kind of thing. No, but I, th- I think there's probably something to it, and, I, and I, I, I bet you it is one of those things where you know that taking that that approach that okay, winter my miles go down and my strength training goes up. I, yeah, I think there's probably something to it. You're resting a certain group of muscles and you're building another group of muscles and you're, you know, you're, you're increasing your fitness in a certain way. I bet you there's probably some science to that somewhere. Correct. Probably. All right. <laughs> we'll just say there is. We'll just, uh, somebody else Definitely. do the research. It's something there. So, Brian, how did you pop the question? How'd you guys go from running dating couple to running engaged couple? Uh, we went on a trip in what January down to Marathon Keys, and um, I don't know. I just thought it was like we went to dinner. We had a really nice dinner, 
um, went to the beach and then, uh, she loves taking pictures. So like if we go out for a run, there's pictures before there's pictures after sometimes there's pictures in the middle. <laughs> so just kind of set it up kind of like that. We were on the beach. I put my phone up, put the 10 second timer on. We started taking pictures and then, uh, I don't know. During one picture, she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm just getting like adjusting myself. Like, don't worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> he wasn't like scooting next to me. And I was like, you're going to miss the picture. Oh, but like for dinner, like I didn't want to carry like the box. So I had like the ring and like a napkin, like wrapped up in my pocket, that kind of thing. So that's what I was doing. I was getting the actual ring out. And then I went to the phone again and hit 10 seconds again, walked back and like, I don't think she was paying attention. And I got on my knee and she kind of turned. Like, we got, like, the best picture out of it. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, and his phone was propped up on the trash can. (laughs) (laughs) It looked like we had hired some professional photographer to come and, you know, get this engagement photo. It's a trash can photo. The trash can special. Yeah, (laughs) trash can selfie. (laughs) It definitely went well. I mean, it was on the beach, a nice beach. Yeah. Like, we really enjoyed the trip. And you guys are doing something totally ultra running couple would do for, for a honeymoon. You're doing like a, I would call it a ultra runny moon. I like that. Yeah. yeah so I had joked, you know, of course I say yes. <laughs> Spoiler uh, alert, everybody. <laughs> right. But I had joked, I'm like, yes, I'll marry you as long as we can go run rim to rim to rim for my honeymoon. Cause that for our honeymoon, cause that has been like my biggest bucket list item for years and years. Um, so yeah, that's what we're going to do. That is so, so cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and hopefully hit up some other things as well. I think we're going to hit up like Canyon lands and arches and, you know, it's just going to be a whole trail running. Yeah. Bounce the Moab and then uh, Salt Lake city afterwards. All right. So you guys have plans for your first race together as a married couple? We're actually getting married until next September. Okay. Um, so we have a little over a year to figure all that out. Um, in fact, we can't even book a hotel yet at the Grand Canyon because they don't open up until a year in advance. So we have to do that in a few weeks. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think every race I sign up for, she tells me not to get hurt before the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got in a Tahoe next year. And of course, that's a couple months before the wedding. She's like, you're just not allowed to get hurt. No. (laughs) There's no trekking poles down the aisle to keep you you up. (laughs) Which, truthfully, let's be for real now, I'm much more concerned about him not being able to then do render and rim a few days later than I am about the actual ceremony. (laughs) (laughs) That's where the whole just don't get yourself hurt before the wedding you know you got your priorities straight you know you have an ultra running vegan a crossfitter who ultra runs or an ultra runner that crossfits and it all kind of works together guys i wish you the best of luck uh on your on your future wedding your your runny moon which i think is going to be great i'm really excited for you thanks for coming on thanks thank you Guys, adventurejogger.com. You can go check out that website. There's back episodes. There's gear. All the good stuff. Even those running team jerseys are available right now. 
We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. Yeah.